a fun idea to uh, be praying for one another. It's not only a fun idea, but it's a biblical idea. You know, we wanted to do this today because we want to, we want to be praying for you, we want you to be praying for us, and we want you to be praying for each other. And so I just want to encourage you, I know the card I got, I'm making a commitment this week to lift up this individual every day. Um, once again, you may or may not know this individual, but lift them up to God, pray for them, and uh, let's be a church that is a praying church. Let's be a church that prays for one another and encourages one another. So thanks for participating in that. And we're trusting and believing that God's going to do powerful things through it. Uh, welcome to Grace Church. It's great to have you this morning. We're continuing our series called Heroes of Faith. Uh, my name is Justin Ross, one of the pastors here at Grace. And this morning we are telling the story of Jacob. And uh, so raise your hand if you've heard the story of Jacob. Have you heard the story of Jacob? Okay, a lot of you. There's some of you that haven't, and that's okay. All right, you're going to hear the story of Jacob today. We're so glad you're here. Um, I want to just start out by saying thanks to Pastor Chris. He, he speak the last three Sundays, and he did a fantastic job. So we can give him a round of applause. Really blessed by the messages that he gave, and uh, really grateful for that. Last Sunday, we had a great time honoring others. Uh, my son Cody gave, gave, gave the updates, and I think it's the first time we've had a round of applause after updates. Okay? <laughs> but if you remember, he actually did some Mother's Day trash talking, right? He was saying his mom was the best, and uh, every other mom kind of falls short of his mom, you know, if you remember that. Uh, I'm just going to leave that there. So uh, we had a great time honoring moms, and then also just want to uh, encourage you to be in prayer for our youth. We have uh, Bayfield High School's graduation is today. Uh, Durango High School um, graduation is next weekend. Uh, we have a lot of young people that are uh, taking that next step in their life. And so let's be in prayer for the youth of our communities, and uh, let's make sure we lift them up to the Lord. So let me tell you the story of Jacob. Jacob was a deceiver. He would lie and steal and cheat to get what he wanted. What he really wanted in his life, what he really wanted was to be blessed. He wanted the good life. He wanted the best that God had to offer. He wanted God's favor on his life, but his character was not ready to receive what God had for him. And after wrestling with God and being changed forever, he got a new name, he got a new identity. You see, it's not too late. Like wherever you're at in your life journey, it is not too late for God to redeem, for God to transform, for God to literally change your life forever. If you've been broken by life circumstances, you may finally be in a position to receive God's blessings. Jacob, better known as the deceiver, from the time he was born, I mean, this guy was scheming. He was deceiving. He was tricking people to get what he wanted because he wanted the best that life had to offer. Trying to figure out how to get his way through life through any means possible. The biggest trick of all was a time when he stole his brother's birthright. Basically, it was his brother's share to his father's inheritance. And Jacob stole his inheritance from his brother Esau. The birthright was what the scriptures would refer to as the blessing. Every Jewish boy longed for the blessing, especially the, the oldest brother, because the, the oldest son got a double portion of the inheritance. So whatever the, the father was blessing his children with, the oldest son would get a double portion. And so they were always looking forward to that day when the father would place his hands on the head and pronounce the transfer 
of the inheritance. And this always was a symbol of, it symbolized a spiritual blessing, and it was also a literal blessing of wealth. This blessing meant the transfer of a spiritual inheritance as, as well as a transfer of wealth. Jacob, he wanted the blessing. He wanted what was Esau's right. His brother's name was Esau. He wanted what Esau had the right to. Esau was the first in line to receive this inheritance. And in order to get it, Jacob would have to deceive. He would have to connive. He would have to manipulate to get what he wanted. And after Esau had come home from a long hunting trip, Esau was super hungry. Okay, Those of you that have been hunting and it has been hard, you're packing out an elk, you're packing out an animal, you're super hungry, you can basically eat anything that's put in front of you. That's what where, where Esau was at. He was starving. He was hungry. And Jacob offered his brother some homemade camel soup. Okay? He, he, he said, uh, Esau, I'll give you some soup, and I'll even throw in some Ritz crackers. The only thing you have to do is give me your blessing. You have to give me your birthright. And Esau, foolishly, in this moment, and it was a vulnerable moment. You can see Jacob, the deceiver, he's picking the right moment to manipulate to get what he wants, he deceived his brother, and his brother gave him his birthright for a bowl of soup. You know, it speaks to me that those of us that are business owners, those of us that have the ability to sell and trade and do that kinds of things, we have to be careful that we're not preying on the vulnerable. We have to be careful that we're not using our business, we're not using what God has given us to, to try to deceive or to try to get something from someone at their most vulnerable moment. That's what Jacob was doing with his brother. He caught Esau in a vulnerable moment, and he used that moment to get what he wanted. So Jacob got this birthright from his brother. He deceived his brother. Jacob also, with the help of his mother, so this was step one. Step two was now he had to trick his dad. Okay, He tricked his brother, so now he has to trick his dad into getting this inheritance. And with the help of his mother, he tricked his father into thinking that he was Esau. The scripture says Esau was a hairy man. I think his bloodline was traced from Chewbacca. Okay, so he had a lot of hair. And so Jacob uh, put some, some hair on his arms from an animal and made his father, his father was blind in his old age, made his father think that he was Esau. And when Esau discovered that Jacob had tricked him out of his blessing and tricked his father Esau wanted to kill Jacob. He wanted to kill him. Jacob would spend a good part of his life running uh, for his life from his brother, but he, would, he was also running scams. He was deceiving people. His name literally means deceiver. He believed in order to have his way, he had to use people. He had to manipulate people. He wanted the blessing, so he did whatever it took to get that blessing. You know, when you look around our world today, and I think we would all agree that our world's a mess, our world is really broken. But tragically, I believe our world is broken and hurting because there's so many people walking around unblessed. They're not going to the right source for blessing, they're trying to manipulate, they're trying to deceive to get what they want. And when they finally get what they want, it never fully satisfies. They've never received or experienced the spiritual blessing of a father. I, I love this, in this day... And the father would, would transfer wealth through an inheritance, but what was most important was the spiritual inheritance. Passing on a legacy of following God and worshiping God. 
And sadly, one of my burdens is the amount of unblessed children in this area because they don't have the influence of a godly father. They don't have a spiritual inheritance to lean on. They don't have a, a godly father or a godly mother in their life. They have no spiritual heritage. They've never had someone say, you're significant. Man, you have great purpose. You have great value. Your future is bright. The best days are ahead of you. They've never had someone speak life into them. They don't have a spiritual inheritance, uh, heritage to lean on. The birthright meant the passing on of a glorious future. So Jacob stole the birthright of his brother, and, and he wanted it more than Esau did, but he deceived to get it. But God knew that he had to do something with this kid, Jacob, man. He had to do something with Jacob to rattle his cage, to get his attention. What he really needed to do was he needed to break Jacob. <coughs> he needed to break him. Man, there, there, there's some of us who maybe have gone through that process of being broken by God. And you'd be the first to say, that's not an enjoyable experience. You see, we, we don't like brokenness, but it's a critical part of God's transforming process. You see, our pride, our arrogance, our self-dependence, it gets in the way of us worshiping God. And sometimes to move us from the imperfections of our past to the freedom of our future, He must break us. He must get us to where we're not dependent on ourselves anymore, but we're fully dependent on Him. Being broken in this way means that we're being stripped of our self-dependence. Brokenness means we no longer live independent of God. Brokenness means that we depend on Him for everything. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And Jacob didn't want his life to be controlled by God. He wanted to scheme his way through life. He wanted to, he wanted to be in control. And so the schemer needed to be broken and his flaw character needed to be changed. You see, what's really fascinating to me, I've been in this, in this church world pretty much my whole life. And people come into church and they come into church saying, I want to be blessed. Man, I want, I want freedom. I want the freedom that God has. I want the favor of God. I want God to protect my children. I want, I want God to protect my finances. I want, I want to be blessed, God. But often people don't want God to be in control of their lives. You see, they just want God to be on call. Like, God, I'll call you when I need you, but I don't need you right now, so if you could just kind of mind your own business, I'm doing my own thing. I'll call you when I need you. And God's saying, no, I, I want every ounce of your life. I want all of you. I want to be in control, God says. You see, people want the good stuff without being made ready to receive it. How many of you, you like to garden or grow things? Okay? All right. A few of you. Um, listen, if, if we didn't have City Market, Walmart, Trisha and I would starve with that. Okay? Like, we are not good gardeners. Like, plants come to our house to die. That's what happens. So if you need a plant to die, just drop it off this afternoon. We will kill it for you. Alright? We do a good job with that. But we all know that in order to taste the fruit from a plant, a lot of work has to go in to the care of that garden or that plant. 
or that farm. You see, the ground needs to be tilled, the soil needs to be good, the seeds need to be planted and watered, the weeds need to be pulled. My oldest brother, he was pretty good at growing plants, he said, you need to talk to him. I have a plant. You're, you're strong, you can grow. Okay, he's kind of weird. Um, we know that plants can be very susceptible to danger. They can be eaten by rabbits and deer. Sometimes you have to put fences around them. I mean, there's so much work that goes into the care of a plant. The plant can be susceptible to bad weather and freezing. Man, if it hails, it can really damage the plant. It's not until the time is right that, and, and the plant has properly been cared for, then at just, just the right time, it will bear its fruit. Man, when you bite into that apple, when I say, hey mom, can I have a strawberry because I killed my plant? You know, can I have one of yours? And when you taste that fruit, it's worth it. It's worth all the work that you've put into it. You see, so many of us, we, we pray for the blessing. We ask God for his favor. We say, God, would you protect my finances? Would you protect my kids? We expect the good fruit now. Like, God, hey, I went to church one month. You know, like, every Sunday for a month. Come on, where's my blessing? Come on, you know? Where's my blessing, God? You see, we want the good stuff without being ready to receive it. Maybe the, the soil of our hearts, maybe, maybe our hearts are not ready to receive it. Maybe there's too many weeds in the way, and God's just trying to pull the weeds out of our hearts. Maybe it's the, maybe we're not properly watering our souls with the truth of God's word. Maybe our spiritual growth is frozen because we let anything and everything come before our commitment to church and to God. Like we walk in and we say, God, give me the best that you got. But he's like, hey, man, i got to do some things in your life first. You're not ready to receive what I have to give you. You see, God loves you right where you are. He loves you however messed up you are, however broken you are. But he loves you enough not to leave you there. You see, my God that I serve is all about transformation and bringing change into your life. If you're this way on day one, you meet Jesus on day two, and you're the same on day three, I really doubt that you met Jesus. Because he changes you. He transforms you. Jacob's character needed some work. He wasn't ready to receive all that God had for him. And what Jacob needed was an experience. He needed something to happen in his life to get his attention. He needed something that would change his character so that God could truly bless him. And that experience came in Jacob's life. That event was the time that Jacob wrestled with the Lord. Wrestling is an old sport, man. I wrestled, okay? It's an old sport. It started all the way back in the Bible days. It's found in Genesis chapter 32. Now that leads up to this moment in Jacob's life. What leads up to this moment is Jacob was very desperate, okay? I'm going to give you kind of a little bit of the backstory, and then we'll get into the wrestling match. But uh, Jacob was afraid because he saw his brother coming with a huge army. And remember, his brother Esau wanted to kill him. And so Jacob was very afraid, and out of desperation, this wrestling match happens. Esau was saying, 
What goes around comes around. He was on his way to kill his brother. And so Jacob has become a man on the run for his life. And all of the tricks, all of the deceiving, conniving, manipulation, it finally starts to catch up with him. Man, isn't that the way life works? It finally starts to catch up with him. And then comes verse 24 in Genesis chapter 32. If you don't have your Bibles, it's going to be on the screen. Genesis chapter 32, verse 24, it says, So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. So, so out of nowhere, this man comes to assault Jacob. And this little wrestling match, it goes on all night long. He wrestled with him until daybreak. And this isn't just a little skirmish. I mean, this is a knockdown drag out. This is a this is a fight. This is not WWE, right? We know that stuff's fake. It's not planned out. This is the real deal. Jacob is fighting for his life. Now, just to kind of put it in perspective, a, a typical wrestling match is three periods, and each period is two minutes long. And if you have wrestled before, and you wrestle all three periods, and it's a tough opponent, when you're done with that third period, sometimes you feel like someone needs to drag you off the mat because you're so exhausted. You are so tired. So I can't even imagine that this wrestling match went on all night long until daybreak. Jacob wrestled with this man all night. He's been running for his life. Now he's fighting for his life. Verse 25 says, When the man saw that he could not overpower him, Jacob, he couldn't overpower Jacob, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched or his hip was dislocated as he wrestled with the man. Okay, so not only is Jacob like really tired, not only is he really beat down, but now his hip is out of place. His hip has been dislocated. I mean, Jacob is being broken down. <coughs> Jacob is being broken down. I don't know if you've dislocated a joint before, but speaking of dislocations, I gotta I gotta have some fun with this. I couldn't pass this up. Uh, you know, Chris and I we we love each other, and uh, whenever he speaks, he makes fun of me. Whenever I speak, I make fun of him. And so I have a video this morning. And that shows Chris dislocating his shoulder. You guys want to see this video? I keep moving on with my sermon, but I'm going to let the people decide this morning. All right? You want to see this video? Let me tell you what was happening first, okay? Oh, gosh, this is the funniest video I think I've ever seen in my life. It's so good, Chris. You're going to love it. So roughly seven years ago, here at Grace Church, we hosted La Plata County's largest chocolate slip and slop. Okay? Um, we had some men in our church, Travis. I know he helped build this. Uh, we, we built this huge chocolate slip and slide, and I think we have some pictures. Yeah, we had more chocolate than you knew what to do with. What we did is we mixed uh, Crisco oil with the chocolate water, and uh, it was quite fantastic. We had, we had I think, a hundred high school, uh, middle school students that showed up for this chocolate slip and slide. You want young people to show up, just have a chocolate slip and slide, all right? It was awesome. But before we did this event, Chris, uh, he had to test it out, right? He was like, man, i got to test this out before the kids do. And so um, here's a little video of Chris testing it out before we had the event. Check this out. You're going to love it. 
Go ahead and turn it up a little bit, too. It's good. you got to hear it. Here it comes. Sydney, get away. Get away. <laughs> ah, right there. Did it seriously? Ryan, do we have the ability to show that one more time? <laughs> Can you do that? It's always better the second time. Because now you know when it's coming. All right? Over there. That's over there. Wait for it. Sydney, get away. Get away. Did it seriously? That is on YouTube if you want to watch this So Jacob is in some serious pain. His hip is dislocated. If you've dislocated something, it is painful. Now listen, catch this. Often when God changes you, it hurts. Often when God changes you, it hurts. You see, there is pain in the redemptive process. Jacob's hip was, was dislocated while he's wrestling with the man. And when, when you're fighting for your life, when you're fighting for your life, you'll be able to do things that you couldn't just do every normal day. When you're fighting for your life, you're, you're, sometimes you feel like you can do some things that maybe is like supernatural strength. It makes me think of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. The Apostle Paul wrote these words, and I just think they're very fitting for what we're talking about here. The Apostle Paul said, We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. And maybe that's you in your life. You're like, man, I, I feel like I'm being crushed right now. And I don't think I'm going to live through this. In fact, he said in verse 9, we expected to die. But as a result, because of what God is putting us through, we stopped relying on ourselves and we learned to rely on God. Who raises the dead. Sometimes, what you're going through is to teach you, is to grow you, is to make you not self-dependent, but God-dependent. Sometimes God will put you in a bad situation, not because He's trying to hurt you, but because He's trying to change you. Jacob wrestles with this man all night long, and then the man says, in verse 26 and verse 32, he says, let me go, for the dawn is breaking but Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And this, this is a crazy story. I mean, Jacob knew that, that something special was happening in this moment. And he knew there was something more that he needed. In his pain, he knew there was something he needed to learn. There was something that needed to happen here. And he was not about to let go until he got everything that he was supposed to get from this experience. You see, when we're in pain, we want to get out of that pain as quick as possible. I don't know about you, but when something hurts, I want it to stop hurting now. I want, I want to be out of that pain. But let me tell you something. When, when you're on the operating table and the surgeon has you cut open, you better not get up too soon. 
And church, what I'm saying to you this morning is don't get up until the doctor's done. The doctor might be performing surgery on your heart right now. Don't run from that pain. You might need that pain right now. You might need what the surgeon is doing. Some of you need to wrestle a little longer. Man, but don't let go. Jacob wouldn't let go until he received everything that God decreed for him. Don't let go until you have received everything that God has decreed for you. Jacob says, I'm not going to let you go. I'm going to fight through this even in my pain. Look at verse 27. What's your name? The man asked. And he replied, Jacob. Now, when, when someone asked your name in this day, it was all about your identity. So basically what's happening here is the man that Jacob is wrestling with, he says, what's your name? He's basically saying, Jacob, who are you? What's your identity? And Jacob, he responds by, my name is Jacob, which means I'm a deceiver. Jacob basically says, listen, I, I have been dishonest my whole life. I've been deceiving people. I'm a conniving individual. I manipulate people. <clears throat> Listen, this is important. God cannot change you until you are willing to be honest about who you really are. Jacob, in this moment, finally admitted who he really was. God cannot change you until you're honest with God about who you really are. Until you're ready to reveal to God who you really are, God, I'm Jacob. My character is poor. I've, I've tricked and deceived people my whole life. I'm broken. Jacob finally comes clean with God in verse 28. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel. Because you have fought with God and with men and have won you see, God didn't change his name until he came clean about his old name and the evil that was associated with it. He changed his name to Israel, which means one who strives with God. Now, wait a minute. Like, when we started this thing, a man came out and wrestled with Jacob. But now we just read, you know, his name has been changed. And it says that you haven't been wrestling with a man, but you've been wrestling with God. Like, what's going on here? Let me, let me explain something. Let me explain something to you. Don't mistake the hand of man for the hand of God. And don't mistake the hand of God for the hand of man. You may think you're dealing with a person. Like, man, this person has been so difficult in my life, but maybe you're dealing... With God who sent someone to change your character. Man, why is that person in my life so difficult? Maybe it's to change you. Maybe it's to change your character. You see, the situation seems human, but there's really something divine going on. Like Hebrews 13 verse 2 says, Sometimes we may be dealing with angels unawares. Divine messengers sent to improve our character, sent to improve our righteousness. Verse 29. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name, the man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. You know, what, what kind of answer is that? Jacob says, 
tell me your name. And, and the man he's wrestling with says, why do you want to know my name? And then he blesses him, and then poof, he's gone. Like, what's happening here? I believe what's going on here is the man he was wrestling with was showing Jacob, Jacob, if you would simply look at your new name, you would know my name. Jacob, because your new identity is in me, you don't need to know my name because my name has been put on you. Jacob, if you would simply know who you are, your name has been changed to Israel. You are a new creature in Christ. You are a new individual. If you would simply look at your name, your identity, you would know me. You know our identity and what you believe about yourself, who you think you are, this will make you or break you. It will make you or break you. If you think that you are defeated and there's no hope, Satan has won, you're going to be defeated. And you won't have hope, and Satan will win. But if you know that my identity is in Christ, and Christ is victorious over all things, so that makes me victorious over all things. I am a son of God. Man, now you have hope. Now you have life. Now you're ready to fight whatever comes your way. Who you believe about yourself will make you or break you. You see, we're called Christians. You know, we bear the name of our Savior, and that is our new identity. We are Christ followers. We are sons and daughters of Christ. Your true identity in Christ is so very important. I'm going to finish with this. Listen, you really, really, really need to catch this, okay? Especially young people. Okay, you're a young individual, you're middle school, high school, college, you need to catch this. Not after, not long after the wrestling match, after Jacob's name was changed to Israel, after his life was spared, he, he met his brother Esau, Esau didn't kill him, but we see something that truly, truly is amazing that happened, and this little verse is tucked away in Genesis chapter 33. Listen to verse 20 of Genesis chapter 33. And there he, speaking of Jacob, after his name had been changed to Israel, he says, and there he built an altar, and he named it El Elohe Israel, which means God, the God of Israel. Now catch this. The scripture does not say that God is the God of Israel until after he had wrestled with God. You see, until Jacob had a divine wrestling match with God, until he had a very personal encounter with God, his faith was not cemented. His faith was not tested. His faith was not his own faith. I mean, he had heard all the stories of his grandfather. He had heard all the spiritual stories from his father, but he had not made his faith his faith. Your faith has to be personal. It has to be. You, you cannot follow Christ because your grandfather followed Christ or because your mother followed Christ. You have to make your faith your faith, because when the fire of life comes, your faith will not stand. 
if it's someone else's faith. You have to make it your faith. Let me ask you, have you had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ? Is is your faith personal? Are, Are you doing this thing because you feel like you have to? Or are you doing it because I really believe this? I really believe Christ. I really want to give my life to Him. Listen, are you are you struggling with your faith today? Do you find yourself in a divine wrestling match with God? Maybe the battle is raging. Maybe, maybe you're full of pain and fear. You might be greatly frustrated as you try to come to peace with God's plan for your life. Man, it can be it can be a fearful thing to let, let it all be given over to Christ, to give every burden to Christ. It can be a fearful thing. You're letting go of control. But I also know the change that can take place in in your heart, in a heart, when you take the time to engage God, when you take the time to, to walk through what God is leading you through, when you take the time to get to know His heart, man, it does something to you. It changes you. It transforms you. I know how he can touch a life and change you and bless you when you seek him with every ounce of your being. And you can experience the joy of a relationship with the true and living God. You can experience the joy that comes with a relationship that is truly personal. Personal to you. And he will change you forever. God Continue through the story of Jacob. See, this this is really the story of God. From Genesis to Revelation, it's the story of God. And, And God continued his covenant. He continued this story. He continued his promise through a deceiver. Through a guy who was manipulative. Through a guy who used people. And God changed him. He transformed him. And he can do incredible things in your life. You see... We're all imperfect people. But God loves you enough to change you and to not leave you where you're at. He can change a deceiver. He can change you. I'm going to close in prayer. Father, thank you for the 